Episode 6, Interview with Bill Robinson. Welcome to Radio War Stories. In every episode, hosts Dave Jagger and Don Nelson reach into their arsenal of decades of radio experience to entertain you with their most amusing, enthralling, and interesting stories. Suit up and get ready for today's episode. Hi, I'm Dave Jagger, and in this week's episode of Radio War Stories, Don Nelson and I have a great conversation with Bill Robinson. Together, Don is general manager and Bill is program director took WIRE in Indianapolis from worst to first in the ratings. Let's go to the phones. Thirteen and a half years you guys spent together, is that right, the whole time at uh, WIRE in Indianapolis? Yeah, we were were at opposite ends of the building, but I tell you, we were as close as uh, Tuesday is to Thursday. No, that'd be Tuesday as to Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do me a favor, if you would, because we want to get a little closer to you, and that's for you to just kind of give us a quick run through of how your career started, your journey into radio. How did that begin? Well, I was out of the Air Force and uh, I was at a loss as to what to do with my career. Uh, I knew I was done with my conditions to Uncle Sam there and some fella that I was double dating with uh, his girl and my girl uh, he suggested, these, you know, you have a pretty good vocabulary, pretty nice voice. Why don't you want to get into television? And I didn't know anything about television. I didn't know how to turn it on, turn it off, and wiggle with the antennas. But uh, he says, I'll set you up an audition. So he set me up an audition at, uh, I think it was Channel 2 or 4 in um Cincinnati. Oh, okay. And uh, that's where I was living at the time, the Queen City. And I uh, could have failed that better if I had been worse. <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was awful. But then I got to thinking about it. Well, you know, television is so hot. What's radio going to do? So let me get into that. I was only 20 years, 21 years old. And we found a school in Chicago that would uh, teach me the, the who's and where's. Uh-huh. And so I went and um, was taught by uh, a fellow who was the program director of WGN, I think it was at that time. Big signal in and, Chicago. Uh, yeah, and he taught me all the who's and the why's and the where's. And uh, I came out of the top of that class. And uh, so I was advertising for a job, and I got one in Springfield, Ohio, where I was hired on probation, 30 days probation, 31 <laughs> days I was looking for a job. <laughs> and so, uh, and that, that got me to Zanesville, and uh, that job went on way in four months because it had an economy drive, and I was 12th off, and the general manager was 13th off. Uh-huh. So then I went to Steubenville, which is, if ever the world gets an enema, um, <laughs> that's where it's going. And so the guy called me from Cambridge and said, you auditioned here on your way over to Steubenville, but uh, that job is now open, would you come? And I did, and I had the great um, a broadcaster uh, named Donahoe, and he taught me a lot of things about how to be at big time and that worked for me for a little while. I was really, really looking for something bigger. 
And I called the guy, Dominic, who ran WMNI in Columbus. They were just getting their uh, feet on the ground, and I got a job to work for him. And uh, now, what were the formats? Do you remember the formats? Well, the formats in the small stations were all over the road. Right. You know? Right. You played whatever. You know, it's polka time at one fifteen, and uh, <laughs> that sort of stuff. But when I got to uh, to Columbus, they were a rock and roll station, and the morning guy and the afternoon guy, um, and the evening guy got in a fight one day, <laughs> and it turned into a fisticuff in the <laughs> radio station. And so two of them went away, and all of a sudden I was the morning man at oh, WMNI in Columbus. Most like of the that, time, when those kinds of things happen, it's always centered around a, a woman. Or a girlfriend or somebody like that. But maybe these two guys just didn't like each other, huh? They didn't. And uh, I don't think there was a girl involved. But, you know, I guess they're <laughs> at the root of everything. So there always is a woman. So you I went from Columbus, her. I believe. And that's when you got that general manager job, uh, I believe, from your bio here, your extensive bio, right. in, uh, right. in Lansing. In Lansing, Michigan. I did. I had a job, but I wanted a bigger one. And so I went up there, and there were uh, 12 or 14 stockholders uh, in the room. And uh, I told them I would come in and work for uh, six months. They'd never been in the black. They'd never been on the ratings. Oh, boy. And so I bragged that I could get them in both of those in six months. And um, I brought a couple of guys, three guys with me to turn the radio station around, people that had worked for me before, and um, we turned the station in four months, uh, got it in, in the ratings, and got it in black. So then, what's his name, was uh, looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that was going to be my next lead-in, because around this time is when Don Nelson is sitting in Indianapolis and deciding to... Uh, Talk to the McGavern Gill representative about trying to find a new program director, right? Don, tell us right. that journey. Yeah, I was in New York. Just I said, who's the best morning guy in the Midwest? You know, and they all said Robinson. And uh, that's when I tried to find him and couldn't because he was hiding out in Michigan. Just one thing I'd like to point out. You, you interviewed with how many shareholders uh, up there in Lansing? There was maybe 14 or 15 in the room. Oh, my God. And, uh, now, yeah. now, fast forward to the fact that you and I got together sight unseen. We did it on True. the phone. Yeah, right. I'm, this is really unheard of. I got hired without even shaking hands. Tell me that journey. Yeah, well, you know, I was, uh, I was the king of the e- ego parade because I had just turned this radio station over in four months and um so i was thinking i was pretty hot stuff and now here comes a guy that wants me to work for him through his morning show i don't think we even took the program director at that thing but i was program director at the McGavin guild station in Columbus, as well as being the morning guy and i like doing both of those things i think morning men are pretty much born i mean it's something that I felt good about getting into and apparently the audience felt good about listening to me so it was uh, it was fun to get up in the middle of the night and come in and, and uh, be friendly and happy and uh, be an upbeat guy that uh, 
put a lot of innuendos in his <laughs> Sure. It makes it Morning fun. Man Dave here is just shaking his head. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. Okay, Don, a couple of questions for you because uh, I know that uh, once you guys got in the same building, Tell me about the progress from worst to first, because you were general manager, even though he was responsible for programming, Bill was, you were responsible for everything, including that. Tell me about the journey from worst to first. Uh, well, we were blessed with the fact that uh, we had absolutely no place to go other than up, because you didn't <laughs> go down any, any further than we were uh, initially when we made that switch to country. Bill came along uh, a few months later, uh, so we made his job easy oh, for him. Oh, so you right. were already there. Right, yeah. I was there before before Bill came in because, remember, we had that crew that came from Oklahoma. Oh, that's right, the Oklahoma like guys. Um, so who was programming at the time, or were you overseeing everything? No, one of, the, one of the Oklahoma guys. Bill, do you remember who it was at the time? Well, I, I, can, I can't remember the guy that was PD at the time, except his first name was Don. His first name was Don. And, <laughs> no, no, not this Don. Uh, A different some, one. Some Oki Don, yeah. Oh, okay. And when I first started listening to him on the radio, I thought, this guy's got to get out of here in a hurry before we get a really bad <laughs> reputation. <laughs> his grammar was insufficient to say the least, and he didn't know how to use what he did know, and uh, so I just, I cringed when I was listening to him on the radio, but I was only the morning man, I had no power over this guy, so I would take him into the record library at the end of each shift, and just try to coach him in how to speak uh, English, <laughs> Indiana English. Yeah, instead of Oklahoma. English. Yeah, well, when you're from the Midwest, you want to sound like you're from nowhere. So that way you sound like you're from everywhere. That's right. And That's uh, right. That, that was the best part about, I think, people have told me growing up in the Midwest, having that non-accent kind of thing going on. Uh, so tell me uh, about some of the best promotions. I've got a list of them here that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Don talked about a couple of them, too. Two come to mind. Number one was the uh, mom trips to Hawaii. That's number one. And then if you can remember, the other one is the big uh, million-dollar giveaway. Those are the two that I really want to hear about. You remember yeah, those, Bill? And I Don? think we called that a money grab or something yeah, like that. A million-dollar cash grab. That was it. Ah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. The fun thing about that, though, was the, the photo that Bill and I uh, took sitting on the pile, sitting on $1 million in cash. And in the end, when it was all over, the person who, who was the winner of the promotion took out significantly less money than it cost us to have what was left over <laughs> recounted and put back in the bank. <laughs> the bank hated that. Do you remember how much you grabbed, he or she? No. Uh, Bill, do you? Do you? It Bill? was less than $10,000. Yeah, no. Around 10000 Yeah. No, somewhere. And yeah. what year was this? Do you remember that? 74, four, maybe. Oh. Stop asking these tough questions, man. <laughs> the on. only yeah. reason, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a, a idea of just how much and how far that money would go in 1974. $10,000 is still $10,000, so right. it doesn't matter. I, and I will interject, interject this. The most money my wife and I ever gave away on the air when we did mornings together in West Michigan was $50,000. 
Now, the reason we gave away that much money and, and the way it turned out was phenomenal because the lady that won was not listening. She was a school teacher. And so one of the other school teachers who was not in class at the time had the radio on. It was in a little community outside of Grand Rapids. And she came running over to this woman's building, told her we, were, we had announced her name to call us back within the nine minutes and 57 seconds. When she did, she won the money. We sent a limo for her, limoed her back to the radio station, and, and it was great. But here's the best part, guys. She split the money with the person that told her that the, her name had been called on the air. Well, well that was cool. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Would you have done that, Bill? If I'd have been the one that ran over to her house and told her, I would want the major part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me any 50% stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk, talk 90. 90, 90, 10, 90, 10, 90 10. 10. And I'll tell you why I'm here. And then one of the easy ones is like trips. Everybody loves to go places. What was the thing with uh, sending your moms to Hawaii? How did that well, work out? Or was that just something I, you I did? Have been doing, I have been doing Hawaii trips through one of the local bank's travel agencies. And uh, it just turned out that if we got enough people to go, we could put in a couple of freebies is what I, I remember them telling me. Right, yeah. And uh, we got enough people to go that... Uh, we could slip the dearest people in our lives in there with us. And uh, it was great. We saw all four islands, or the four big islands in, in Hawaii, and his mom and my mom um, just flabbergasted. So you guys it, weren't it along for that? No, you along? no, I had to stay back and pay the bills. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Bill got to go. <laughs> Bill got to go with his wife. Well, yes. Bill and Lynn uh, have had the travel bug as long as I've known them. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, he pretty well traveled the world, uh, but he did come up with this killer way to have the radio station and a few sponsors pay for a lot of those trips, and I admire you for the way you put it together. Because yep. uh, that kind of brings us to another trip thing that uh, Dave and I were talking about, which is the Country Gentleman Caravan. Well, I was leading right into that. Tell us about the uh, formation of that, because I know that it had nothing to do with any monies coming from the radio station. I think this is brilliant. Right. Go ahead and tell us about that, Bill. Well, it turned out that we had some jocks uh, some that were pretty smart, uh, Lee Shannon and Ken Speck and uh, Gary Havens and myself decided that because there were only big shows coming to town about twice a year and you know what kind of uh, hunger a country music fan has to see them live so we joined together and we actually incorporated as Country Gentlemen Inc. Incorporated and uh, we started putting shows together in local theaters and local high schools and stuff like that. And uh, I'll, I'll slip into the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. Uh, after I tell you that, then turned into us taking trips to Nashville on uh, rented buses. And uh, we started doing that a bus at a time, then got popular and it was two buses. And then when Fanfare came along, which is the old name of the whatever that country music fest is, I guess, now. And uh, so we would send four buses. And it was just a very popular thing, and we were cutting it pretty close on the bunnies thing. So we were taking, you know, maybe 
30 or 40 bucks per jock away from each trip, but we had a good time. It was the disc jockeys to meet the fans. Sure, get on the bus well, with them. And... On the bus, yeah, you uh, do everything but carry their luggage, you know. So, <laughs> But it was fun, right, Bill? That's right. You alluded, Bill, to something uh, occurring before the uh, bus caravans going when you were doing the, the... We were doing a live show at a local high school, and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis oh, was in town playing at the... Um, I think it was something like the crazy cowboy or something like that. And one of our jocks had gone to this show. And in that conversation, Jerry Lee says, I want to play at that show. So they called me and I says, we can't afford Jerry Lee Lewis. We're just barely going to make an even book. Mm-hmm. He says, I want to play at that show. So I talked to Jerry Lee on the phone, and I said, we, we can pay you a, a piece of the net. He said, well, I was thinking about 40% of the gross. I said, I'm talking about 40% of the net, Jerry Lee. <laughs> so, oh, all right. All right. So he came, and he did two shows. And when it came time to count up the money and take it into the dressing room, I was given the job. Oh, boy. Now, uh, fortunately, I had a uh, permit to carry because, <laughs> because I was always taking the money home from these shows. But I go into the dressing room and I turned around as soon as I got in the door and I backed up to him. He says, what is this? I said, I don't have any money. He said, I agreed to pay for 40% of the net. I says, that's right. That was your mistake. (laughs) Now, here is 40% of the net in greenback dollars, cash, and uh, 75 cents in coin. And I paid Jerry Lee Lewis $16.75. And he did two shows, right? He did two shows. Oh this was God. after the second show. Oh, my he God. He said, I don't care, man. I don't care. Stay with us and have a drink. <laughs> well, that was nice of him. I, I thought he might have gone nuts on you, but he didn't do that. Well, good for him. Yeah, I loved the guy ever since. And I, he, I had made him agree not to break up a piano or a piano bench. Ah, good deal. Yeah, you don't want to have to pay for one of those. Yeah, it was rented. Why do you think you guys' uh, friendship has endured as long as it has? My friendship with Don Nelson? Yes. Well, there's a couple of things. The first thing is that I trusted him from the get-go because... I knew he wasn't there in that position in Indianapolis trying to change a radio station in the country if the money people didn't trust him. So uh, that's key right there. I like the way we talked on the telephone, and he didn't mind me calling him Uncle Don. And uh, we never we never were drinking partners together, but. You know, I also served on the board of directors of the Country Music Association two different times. And Don was one of the officers, uh, I think, both of those times, at least one of them. Yeah, both of them. And, uh, and he was uh, president one year and chairman of the board the other year. And I was representing the disc jockeys of America. 
the country music disc jockeys of America that that elected me to serve on the board of the CMA. And that first and that year, Bill, thrill. let me just interrupt for a second. That first time you served on the board, you served with somebody who was a real hero to a lot of people, and that would be Tex Ritter. Yeah. Everybody talks about really highly about this man. I mean, I I don't know that much about him except he was an, you know, one of the original big superstars in country music and a very wise and obviously smart businessman. Well, I think I can safely say that Bill and I were both in total awe of being around this guy. And of course, he was his, a- at that time his son was just starting a killer television show. Uh, right. Uh, he did exceptionally well with that until he passed. I remember that. Yeah. Yes, that would be John Ritter. John Ritter, absolutely right. Uh, interesting. You said Bill told us why you think it's endured. Why do you think it's endured, Don? Uh, anytime people have the same mission uh, and execute it well, uh, I think you're going to find people who stay in touch for the rest of their lives. Uh, to me, my time at Wire was the highlight of my entire broadcast career. I think I can speak for Bill. It likely was a highlight for him, too. And, it was, absolutely. And you just want to stay in touch with the people who made you look good. Tex Ritter aside, let me ask you to this question, then. Nicest or most impressive artist you ever met? And certainly country artists are known for how how they love their fans, how they thank radio. Uh, even to this day, they still do that. So think on that for a minute. And who is the, the nicest, most genuine artist you ever met? Bill? I think it was Tex Ritter. I think Tex, uh, in a board meeting, took an idea that we put forward to have a CMA Disc Jockey of the Year, like they had every other category of the artists, you know, the best, uh, best combo, best new artist, best hit, best album, etc. And uh, there were some people on the board of directors, uh, I'll not name them, protect the guilty, but uh, Tex stood up and fought for that because he thought that if there wasn't country music radio, the artists would not get the, the po- power to get the kind of draw at the box office that they got. So I appreciated him for that. My closest friend in the business was probably Bill Anderson. Really? He did, yeah, we, we did some things together during my radio times that uh, kept me in the highlight, him and out of jail. <laughs> and uh, then when when he got the job at uh, the Nashville Network to host the radio show, the television show, Fandango, he was the guest host of uh, the questions of all that. And mm-hmm. uh, they needed an announcer. And he tipped me on it. And so I got a couple of jokes and went into the audition and... My job was to be the announcer and interrupt him or get him out of a sticky position Ah, (laughs) if he got on it live on TV, which was on tape. The announcer slash sidekick, if you will. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Don, what about you? Well, just to 
play on that for a half second. Just a few months back, uh, my son and I attended the CMA Awards show in Nashville, and who walks up and sticks his hand out to me? Bill Anderson. It was just <laughs> great to see him while, while we were over there. Uh, to answer your question, uh, just a bunch of people that I enjoyed working with, and these were, these were artists who were on the CMA board. Uh, we had Barbara Mandrell, who was just outstanding. Brenda Lee was an amazing person to work with. And I couldn't talk about artists uh, without uh, uh, talking about one who was not an artist, but uh, the all-time most important person in our lives frequently was Joe Walker. Joe Walker mm-hmm. who was the woman who literally ran the association. She started... Uh, promoting country music by having a trunk full of country albums and driving around with her husband, uh, stopping at local radio stations, handing them albums so they would play a little country music. Wow. And and Joe was uh, uh, the longtime executive director of the CMA. Uh, She's the first lady I met when I went to Nashville, and she was always there for all of us. Bill, thank you so much. I have probably another... 40 questions I could ask you guys, but I think we'll save that for another time. We'll, we, would you let us call you again and talk some more? Yeah, when uh, when all of this is worn down and gotten mold on the north side, you can call me again. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Dan. Thank again, you. Big See hug, you, Don. for listening to Radio War Stories. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like us on Facebook at Radio War Stories and call in with your questions or comments here or on Skype. Skype at RadioWarStories.com. We look forward to hearing from you. See you next week.